0: Welcome to Global Outpouring. I'm Philip Buss.
1: And I'm Sharon Buss. We are moved in these days by what is happening in our society and how God wants to fix it. But really, you have to get down to the root of it. You have to get down to what is the cause of what's going on. And it has to do with what we love. So, what do you love? 2 Timothy chapter 3 talks about what things are to be expected from the times that it seems like maybe the times that we're living in. Verse 1 talks about in the last days that there are perilous times or crazy times. Even if you dig, dig deep into the roots of that word, I've been told that that it could even be described as maniacal. And it goes on talking about people loving themselves and and being covetous and boasters and proud and blasphemers and disobedient to parents and unthankful unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those things that are good. They're traitors and heady and high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. They might even have a form of godliness, but they don't have any power. Mm -hmm. And Paul says, from such turn away. How does it read in, in the Passion Translation, Philip?
0: The Passion, in chapter 3, verse, we'll start with verse 1, but you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce. People will be self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. Oh.
1: What does that sound like? You know, one of the things that I want to focus on is what uh, Paul in 1st Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. He says that the love of money is the root of all evil. The L- Young's literal translation says, "For a root of all the evils is the love of money," which certain longing after uh, I'll go back to the King James, "which while some coveted after or they longed for" They have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. There's something about the love of money that is the root of all evil. And that word, love of money, it's actually one word in, in the Greek. It's a compound word. And it's, it's these two words that are put together. I'm not sure that I would pronounce it correctly if I tried to say it, but I might try. Um, <laughs> Philaguria philoguria. I, I'm not a Greek scholar, but that's my best shot. So what it means is literally one who is fond of or the friend of or a lover of silver. Interesting that it would be silver. I, I suppose that was the word that was in New Testament times to refer to money. But one thing that's beautiful about silver in scripture is it is a type. It is a, a picture of redemption. And redemption is what the Bible is all about. It's the most beautiful part. So there's there's something good about silver. There's a kind of silver that we should love, and that is the redemptive part of it. I think we can come back to that, but how does that read how does that scripture read first Timothy 6:10 in in the passion?
0: Okay, first Timothy 6:10, loving money is the first step toward all kinds of trouble. Some people run after it so much that they have given up their faith. Craving more money pushes them away from the faith into error, compounding misery in their lives. Compounding misery.
1: Yeah. And, and Jesus said something along those lines, too, when he was uh, talking in, in Mark chapter 4 about the parable of the sower. And he, he talks about the word being the seed, The the sower goes out and he's sowing seed, and some of it falls on ground that's been trampled down and it doesn't bring forth fruit. And then there's some that he talks about that falls in the midst of thorns. He says in Mark chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches. And the lusts of other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful.
0: Mm.
1: You know, it's not like they, they're not even hearing the word. They're, they're hearing the word. They're probably recognizing that this word is important. And and so the word begins to go down. It begins to to take root. It begins to come up, but the thorns choke it out. Cares
0: and, of this world.
1: Yeah, the cares of this world. And notice that he uses the word deceitfulness of riches. Mm. It's... Please hear us. We are not seeing that it's wrong to have money. That's not how it is at all. It's the love of money. It's the deceitfulness of riches that's going to choke the word in your life. And so much, and these other lusts, and I I'd like to use the word uh, distractions that are coming in, that choke the word. We have to be so careful that we are diligent about Making sure that the word is going in us and that it is coming into a place where, where the ground is good, so that it can bring forth fruit.
0: I have an expression I use for that. It's called gravitational distractions. Yeah you know they, they tend to gravitate to you,
1: and, you know, like if and you, make drop you gravitate something, away from them? Yeah, you know, do you to,
0: drop something it gravity pulls it to the ground. Or if you have a magnet, mm-hmm. many things are a magnet. And you know you get a magnet too close to a piece of steel. If you ever try to do that with a magnet on on the table, you can take a magnet with a metal object on a table, and you can get the magnet close enough to it, and it starts to move toward the magnet. True. You know, and you know you can play around with it. You can get a little closer; it'll come faster. And you pull it away; it stops. But eventually, you put that magnet close enough and it latches onto it and it's got it mm-hmm. and that's what happens it's like a trap it's a trap you know and many times you know the you know satan will dangle the carrot is actually a magnet and it will take your eye off of what what you're supposed to be doing yeah. and it'll distract you away from that especially in your prayer life oh
1: prayer life and bible study bible study is so important you know it's hearing the word. It's receiving the Word. One of the things that helps me tremendously in Bible study is to say, like, maybe, maybe for you, you don't get anything out of reading the Bible. Well, that's because you need the Holy Spirit who inspired the Bible in the first place to light up that part of you that needs the Word put in. And so when, when you sit down to read the Bible, if you'll sit there and say, Holy Spirit, I know that you are the original author of this. I'm going to read this, and I ask you to open the eyes of my understanding. Open my eyes. In fact, there's a, there's a scripture, I think it's in Proverbs 16. It might be Proverbs 16:16 16, 16, that says that getting wisdom is better than getting gold, and getting understanding is better than getting silver. And so there's a trade-off here. If we put our love, if we put our greatest interests in, uh, I need to make more money. I can live better if I have more money, 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 money. And, And we feed that in our culture. We feed that to our children. You've got to get a good education so that you can make more money. The better your education, the more money you can make. And, and the nicer house you can live in, and the nicer car you can drive, and, and all of these things. But God makes it very clear that, that godliness with contentment is what is great gain. When, when we have godliness, when we have allowed the Holy Spirit to work in our lives to bring us into a place where we're becoming like him, godliness is becoming like him. And that's what Jesus died for. He came to restore us, to redeem us. And, you know, I said it earlier that to talk about this idea of silver, remember how Judas was paid 30 pieces of silver to betray Jesus. Interestingly, the only other place in the Bible where you see 30 pieces of silver is in Exodus, where if someone's ox hurts a person's slave... That the ox has to be stoned, has to be killed, and the person, the owner of the ox, has to, uh, probably a bull, you know, has to reimburse the owner of the slave 30 pieces of silver. Mm -hmm. So that the price of a slave, the value of a slave in God's economy that He set up, the value of a slave. Is 30 pieces of silver. He set that in place not to say, you know, you're only worth 30 pieces of silver. He's, if you're a slave, he set it in place so that we would have this picture that Jesus would have 30 pieces of silver paid for him because he was to be the redeemer of the slaves Mm. we became slaves our whole race became slaves when adam and eve ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you know it's interesting to me what kevin zadai saw and he had his experience where uh, he died on the operating table and Jesus, Jesus took him to heaven and, and he showed him things of the scripture, things that happened in the background, things that aren't exactly spelled out. I would say you could call it extra biblical because it's not written, but it's it's sort of like Paul Harvey tells the rest of the story. <laughs> so maybe you don't remember Paul Harvey, but you, you could go and Google Paul Harvey. He He had a radio program that told told a story, and then here's the rest of the story. It's the backstory. So Kevin Zadai was shown the backstory of what happened in this whole thing with the tree of the knowledge of... And what he, what God did when he, he gave man free will, he said there has to be some kind of a test to give man a free choice. So what he did was he planted a tree, and it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said to them, you can't eat from this tree. What isn't written is that he made it clear to them that this tree belongs to me. God said, you can't have it. This tree is mine. And God ate from it in front of them, according to what Kevin saw. And in eating from it, he was demonstrating to them that this is my tree. You can eat from all the other trees, but this one's mine. And it's sort of like the tithe. The tithe belongs to God. And we have a choice of whether we eat from the tithe or whether we pay our tithes. But if we pay our tithes, it's the part that belongs to God already. It's God who gave us power to get wealth in the first
0: place. And it's all God's.
1: And it all belongs to God. He says the silver is mine, the gold is mine. It all belongs to him. We come into this world naked and out of this world we go. And there's nothing that we can take with us. That's what, what Job said, you know, mm-hmm. naked came I from the womb and naked I return, I return from whence I came. And so we, we don't have anything of ourselves except the gifts that God put in us and he put in us uh, in written in our DNA. He wrote a book about us. And in that book is written all that we can be in him if we will surrender our lives to him. It's an amazing thing. And we've come with a purpose. So the purpose of the the enemy, the purpose of the snake, the serpent, what Kevin said was that the serpent actually ate from Lucifer. Hello. Ate from that tree. And that's what, you know, He had, he had made up his mind that he was going to be like God. And God said, this is my tree. So he made up his mind that he would go and eat of that tree. And that's what filled him with so much evil that he tempted them to do the same thing. And so I think that's a that's a very interesting little backstory. Not that not that, that really makes that much difference, but it kind of opens our understanding as to just how evil this thing is. We meant to know evil. Only God is capable of knowing evil and still be able to be... See, yeah, oh.
0: the scripture says, I, I create evil. Yeah, yeah
1: in the, in Isaiah. Isaiah. So Jesus came and 30 pieces of silver were paid to make him equal to a slave. He already came as a man. He came to be the son of man. He, he was the son of God, but he came exemplifying what it's like to live in perfect harmony with his father as the example to how he wants us to be and how we can be through his power through his through his sacrifice it was he paid the penalty for our sin so that we could be we could live free from the law of sin and death it's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that sets us free from the law of sin and death and it's that same thing that was the payment for our reconciliation so that we could be reconciled to our Father. I can't say it enough how important this new covenant is. It mm-hmm. The new covenant, the New Testament, isn't just a compilation of, of writings that starts with Matthew and ends with Revelation. It is the new covenant. It's a covenant that God gave in prophecy to Jeremiah in chapter 31, and it's repeated by the writer of Hebrews that there are three things that that are provided in this new covenant. And the first one, the one that we're most familiar with, I should say, it's really the last in the list, is being set free from the penalty of sin, being set free from iniquity. Our iniquities would be blotted out Our transgressions would be blotted out. Everything that is sin is blotted out of the books. Mm -hmm. It's not there anymore. The history of our sin has been erased. And that's a really important thing for us to remember. It's huge. But the other parts are that it gives the Holy Spirit so that the Word can be written in our hearts and not Mm -hmm. just on stone. And not just on parchment. The Word can be written in our hearts. And that's why it's so important for us to spend time putting the Word in. Because yeah. the other main part is that we can know God. We can know Him for ourselves. We're being restored to the relationship that Adam and Eve had in the garden before the fall, where they could walk with God in the cool of the day and have relationship with Him.
0: Yes, amen. Yeah, and in the Passion Bible, in the, this is in Second Timothy chapter 2, and verse 20. It refers to us as uh, our bodies, our soul, spirit, as containers. Mm-hmm. You know? It says, be a pure container of Christ. In a palace you will find many kinds of containers and tableware for many different uses. Some are beautifully inlaid with gold or silver but some are made of wood or earthenware. Some of them are used for banquets and special occasions and some for everyday use. But you, Timothy, must not see your life and ministry this way. Your life and ministry must not be disgraced, for you are to be a pure container of Christ and dedicated to the honorable purposes of your Master, prepared for every good work that he gives you to do. Beautiful. That's that's a you know, be- beautiful scripture, and, and it, I remember some years ago in an article, and uh, on the front of it, it had a picture, picture of somebody sitting there, and it had like a theater screen in their mind, and the and the title of the article is, "What's going on in the theater of your mind?" Mm-hmm. I thought, "Oh wow, I've never heard it put that way before," but that's the way our our mind is like a it's like a screen, it's what you. I mean, what what are you looking at? You know, what what are you feeding yourself, and then what what's going on in your mind? It's a very uh, soul searching thing to put yeah, it that way.
1: It's true, and that brings me to uh, Mark chapter seven. The Pharisees were complaining about Jesus' disciples because they didn't wash their hands before they ate. They caught them. You're supposed to wash your hands first, and so Jesus goes on talking about um, how. You know, here's these Pharisees and they're trying to make people keep traditions of men that have been set up as though they were the law of God. And this is this is a major part of even our society, even even uh, a, a lot of our church traditions. They've come from the interpretation of the scriptures rather than allowing people to hear the Holy Spirit, give them an understanding of the scriptures. Now, let me back up and say this. The idea of the Holy Spirit teaching us himself, and this is something that, that John talks about in in the book of 1 John, how we have the anointing and nobody needs to teach us. And, and that's also part of Jeremiah 31. But that doesn't mean that we don't need teachers. As uh, Justin Goff, our uh, uh, pastor Justin, spoke the last couple of weeks, he mentioned how there are these mysteries that are hidden in the scriptures. They're not hidden from us. They're hidden for us. They're meant for us to dig them out. Mm-hmm. And there are many levels of understanding, many levels of interpretation. And this is where, you know, if, if the devil can't get us to sin directly, he'll do whatever he can to get us, like, off track or to get us where where we're fighting with one another about the interpretation of things and we have to understand that yes what the holy spirit showed you about this scripture is probably true and yes the what the holy spirit showed him over there is probably true and what the holy spirit showed Matthew Henry back in back in the day is probably true there are multiple levels and and there, I believe that there are dimensions in the word that we're not even going to see until we get on the other side. It's like uh, like the Bible code is, that was discovered. Well, it's really been around for a long, 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 long time, but it was discovered uh, that that they could they could find it on on software in the computer very easily, where you have messages hidden in the scriptures that are like a letter here, and then you go forward 27 letters, and you take another letter, you go 27 letters, and you and you get a message. And there's multiple layers. Uh, one of the things Kevin Zadai said was, when when we get to the other side, we're going to find that there are even uh, messages in the spaces,
0: <laughs> in
1: between the letters. So th- I believe that there are are multiple dimensions in the Word. So we mustn't divide over, well, God showed me that that's what this means, so it must not mean what God sh- what you say God showed you. No, that's not what this is about. This is about continuously digging, continuously being enriched by deeper and deeper understandings of things and sharing these things and, and bringing them forward so that we can all get a greater understanding of what the word means for the purpose of relationship and out of relationship, not so that we can argue about what this means or what that means. It's so that we can have a deeper understanding, as Philip was saying. It's what builds us up. Jesus was saying to the, to the Pharisees, that it's not the things that you put into you that defile you like like if your hands are dirty when you eat something and you get a little bit of dirt or if you don't wash the if you don't wash the tomato that you picked out of the garden before yeah. you eat it. it it's it's yummy just right out of the garden when it's when it's still warm from the sunshine it's great but jesus said it's not those things that defile the person It's the things that are inside in the heart of men, the evil thoughts, the adulteries, the fornications, the murders, the thefts, the covetousness. And there's that word again. It's that love of money or love of silver, wickednesses, deceit, blasphemy, pride, (laughs) foolishness. These are the evil things that come from within and defile the man. But what is it that sorts out the man? It's what we do with the theater of our mind. Mm -hmm. Whatsoever things are lovely.
0: Yeah, Um, I'm going to read that uh, that scripture. It's in it's in Philippians chapter four, verse eight. This is in the King James. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things, and this scripture, and in, in my in my words, I would say this is the key to a renewed mind.
1: Amen.
0: Yeah, you know, if you can meditate on all that what is good, you know, and on the Lord, you know, all the other stuff will eventually just bounce off.
1: Yes, and that's that is the goal for us to get to that place where all of the distractions that are trying to get us to to pull away and pull our minds away from from the presence of God and pull our minds away from the things of God. Uh, That is not to say that you can't live the day-to-day and do the stuff, but you have to understand that you are no earthly good unless you're heavenly-minded.
0: And then the scripture, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Yes,
1: yes. That's what the Lord promises. Yeah. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in God. It's that trust in our heart where the more we cultivate the word of God in us, the more we let the Holy Spirit have his way. And and praying in tongues is just a huge part, a huge, huge part of coming into that fullness, coming into those places where where God Is first, and we're no longer distracted, and we don't even react. You know, we're no longer drawn away by that magnet of, you know, the the link that somebody sends to us on a text or on an email. We've got to go and find out what's the latest news. Got to go and find out what's happening on Facebook. Got to go find out what's happening in the in you know in the world and whatever whatever's going on. We we're just we have to interpret the world through the scripture, instead of letting the world interpret the scripture to us. Walking in that place of redemption, don't you just want to give him the glory due unto his name? Don't you just want to see the lamb get the reward of his sufferings? He suffered so much for us so that we could be set free from that slavery. We just want to give glory to his name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread the good news of God's global outpouring. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, connect with us, get a link to our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. You can browse our online bookstore for amazing anointed material. Until next time, this is Sharon Bus.
0: And I'm Philip Bus.
1: God bless you with his overwhelming, loving presence.